1: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
2: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And a night after a surprisingly sharp performance against the Orlando Magic, the Lakers were considerably less so against the Miami Heat. And somehow it was still a semi-competitive game, despite just a massive differential in turnovers. I think it finished 26 to 6, and then a, a huge differential in terms of second chance points. So a lot of the things, Mike, that you and I talked about yesterday that we executed well. We very much did not against Miami, although certainly more of a challenge uh, and, and a different opponent. D, would love to hear about your thoughts just about the last couple of games between Orlando and Miami, because I think that from one, you know, you go from the tall but young Orlando Magic who'd been streaking to an older and more, a more professional team in the Miami Heat who are stronger and they pose different problems for us. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts across from the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing about the Magic game is I offered a bunch of concerns both in like the game preview that I wrote for the website and also just in the pod the day of the game that I just thought Mm -hmm. Orlando's length and size was going to be so problematic. But I think what the Magic game showed and in contrast to what the Heat game showed is that if you're not going to back up that size and length with a certain amount of physicality, then it doesn't really mean anything. And so I thought Mm -hmm. the Lakers were the way more physical team against Orlando in a way where they like sort of took away space and walled off angles. And once Orlando did decide they were going to like go to the paint, they scored relatively easy, but the Lakers did a good enough job of walling them off. And Orlando settled a lot and decided like, hey, like we're taller, we're just going to shoot over the top. And when those shots don't fall, then they're going to struggle. And I thought the Lakers had one of their better like transition defense games as well. And part of that is like scoring, right, is hitting your own shots. And so when you're shooting high 40s, 50 percent from the floor, it's just like they're taking the ball out of the hoop a lot. And you don't have the opportunity for Franz Wagner and Paulo Banqueiro and, and Bull Bull to to get loose. What I also thought against the Magic is like Bancaro, I don't know if it was like starstruck or whatever, but Bancaro had some quotes going into the game about like LeBron's his favorite player and he's the guy who he grew up watching and sort of idolizing. And whenever that's the case, it's like that first game against that dude could kind of be like, like oh, sure. like, like what happened, right? And Bancaro might he like five fouls, like some of them careless, offensive fouls, just And he didn't have a typical game of his. LeBron defended him some and he had to defend LeBron. And it was like, okay, lights got a little bright for some of those those guys. I also thought Bron did a very good job on Bull Bull. Like, like, oh, you're trying to you're not going to attack me like I'm LeBron James. And so the Orlando game was a very good game. And I was super happy with the way the team played. The Heat, they were so much more physical. Than the Lakers, I like this was a game Mm -hmm. where I thought LeBron was the only one who really came ready from the very beginning. Like, and this is where like TB's physicality is like going to be outdone at times because he doesn't have any of the vertical ability, right? And so Bam was just going over Mm -hmm. the top of him, and all their guys were just going over the top of him when they got downhill. And this was a game where in his first shift, especially, like I was a bit disappointed with Russ because Russ is the player who I think can. Play at that level in terms of athletically. And he Mm -hmm. didn't to start the game. Like he wasn't rebounding. He wasn't really pushing the pace. He wasn't really attacking the basket with a lot of verve. And and so that's where, Mike, I was a little bit let down with Russ's first shift, at least.
3: Well, to to just put a little color on that, and then I'll kick it right back to you. So Westbrook had 13 boards against Orlando, and, and he was a lot of times the key in turning those rebounds, which Pete described, and immediately getting them into offense. And, and that was kind of that's like a way you can play almost right. It's like the, the rhythm yep. and the speed, and and yeah, it just kind of it just kind of wasn't there from him. And I had asked Darvin Ham before the game specifically about that. In my second question, where I, I said, "Hey, Russ, the rebounding yesterday, can that be something that, that becomes a staple again for him? And like, how do you get that out of him?" And you know, Pete, it's a little unfair to just say, "Hey, off the bench, go and get 13 rebounds." But yeah, so. That was something that I that I had kind of wondered if could happen again. And it didn't. And and I and I don't know if I have an answer as to why, you know, in, the game is a little different. Miami more physical. All of the Heat players attacking the basketball as opposed to a few of the Magic players. So, so stuff goes into it. But nonetheless, it, it clearly wasn't enough.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where if he doesn't do it, we have so few guys that are able to do it. I would like to make our way over to JTA at some point later in the conversation because he had a really good shift to close out the game in a way that is important for us uh, right now. But I I think we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, But it was so so yeah, Russ to me, Russ's defensive rebounding in particular is one of our biggest bellwether stats right now in terms of do we have a chance to win the game or not. And we made a comeback in that fourth quarter. All four of Russ's rebounds came, one on the offensive end, three on defense. All four of them came in the fourth quarter. So we had zero rebounds for, through the first three quarters. And that is just one element, I think, of the physicality that you were talking about, D. Like, I thought both Dennis and Lonnie struggled with it too, and have throughout whenever we play a team like Boston or Miami, that physicality, a lot of times we think it in con of it in context of in the paint, but Miami is a really physical perimeter team. So they're going to play really good ball denial. They're going to, uh, just lean on you. Austin Reeves had a terrible game, uh, and I think he struggled with some of the physicality and athleticism of an Oladipo who guarded him a decent amount. And so... uh, Talk to me about that perimeter physicality and what you've seen, because I think that's one of the weaknesses on such a guard heavy team. Despite that fact, I think that when you really press up on us and you have that physical strength of guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and Jimmy Butler, that adds up against guys like Dennis Schroeder and Lonnie Walker, where, you know, if you put the guy across from them in an, an arm wrestling contest, it would be no contest at all. And I I think that that's really affected some of our smaller guards.
1: Yeah. I would say that the Lakers for all the guards that the Lakers have, they have one guard who is a power guard. So Russ is a power guard and Austin is a big guard, but he's not a power guard. Right. And so Austin has a lot of big guard tricks. And when he plays point guard, he gets to leverage those big guard tricks when he doesn't play point guard. When he's a shooting guard or when he's at small forward or he's one of four guards on the like on the court at the same time and the other team can defend him with whoever they want, then those big guard tricks become more craft.
2: Yeah, he's a skill guard despite being big.
1: Yes, but if you put a six foot two guard on him, he's going to use pick and rolls. He's going to put that guy in jail. He's going to put him in the sidecar. He's 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 then going to use his shoulders and body him off, elbow him a couple of times and just create space. It's like what Austin does. It's how he creates advantage in a world where everyone is probably more athletic than he is, but he struggled against the ball pressure. And this team in general, the Lakers, they. I don't want to say they're going to struggle against ball pressure, but they do struggle against a certain amount of stout physicality at the point of attack. And and I think that's what Mm -hmm. you're speaking to, Pete. So I look at Dennis and I look at Lonnie and they're like sports cars. Yep. They can hang a tight corner, Mike. When they get a little gap of daylight, they can race right through it and they can get to the basket. And with Lonnie, he can play above the rim. But Dennis had a really good finish against Bam, for example, where he went right to left. For a crossover in that fourth quarter in the midst of their run and then drew a little bit of contact and drew a foul and then hit hit the shot. But that was all speed. It was just like, oh, there's my opening. I'm I'm attacking that that opening. But when when you get a race car against a monster truck, if that monster truck is able to square you up, they're just going to be like, no there's no getting yep. by me and mike it, it sort of reminds me of soccer a little bit right where you've got these big burly Defenders and then you've got like us like a smaller midfielder type but it's just like where they can sort of leverage their speed in more open in more open space in order to maneuver around a big guy but in these close quarters it can be hard for you to get around some of these guys and they can bump you off the ball a little bit and and make it more difficult for you and the lakers guards i see is more of those like quick guys who don't want to be as physical (laughs) but they're getting beat up in, in matchups against guys like miami has
3: Let's do a 20-second timeout to just go through Darius's various metaphors there um, because we had a couple. (laughs) I noticed that too,
1: yes.
3: (laughs) First, we had the racing, and I I thought you might go to like an F-Zero comp just so we could get some early 90s in. Um, I'm sure that you played that game. It was one of the early sort of like racing games, um, and it was fun, and I still sometimes play on my like Nintendo thing that I can jank back to the days. Um, But So that one was good. And then for the soccer one, yeah, so – I, I like to, tick it, uh, to tip it to my favorite team, Manchester United. And so they've got they've got a couple of different types of center backs, right? So Rafael Varane uh, is big but also athletic. And then Harry Maguire is big and not athletic but great in the air with his head. And then Lissandro Martinez, who just won a World Cup uh, with Argentina, is small and just tough as shit and fast. And, and so the ball – there are various different ways that you can deploy those combinations – um, and, and sometimes you prefer one against a certain matchup or not, but like my, my favorite of the group is Martinez just cause he's such a bulldog, but Varon is probably the best, uh, and because he can do both, uh, right. He can be big in the air. He can also be good with his feet and he can be versatile. And so I, I do think that all that applies with Miami and especially when they're, when they're waiting for you on a back to back, that's when part of this whole like the heat culture thing gets made fun of. But it is true. Like Spulcher was was speaking about it before the game, and they demand that the players keep their lockers clean there uh, because he went in this whole thing about it. And one of the one of the players that helped form that was LeBron because LeBron is notoriously uh, militant about his locker space and how clean it is and how other people's stuff doesn't get into that space because it's just part of the way the play the way that he's centering himself and organizing his thoughts and and so they they really have that pushed out to the whole team but when you come in on a back to back and especially after playing the, the way that Orlando had played the night before and you know back Carroll with stars in his eyes then to get hit with all of that that kind of heat stuff when you're not necessarily the most talented team um and when LeBron by the end of the fourth quarter is just on fumes because he's the one guy who is, is matching the physicality um it's mm-hmm. a it's a tough a tough ask
2: very much so and but that's how 26 to 6 in turnovers happen and so that's the type of thing that especially when you have so many guards you should be able to handle the ball and not turn it over to that degree darvin's been talking a lot about self-inflicted wounds in the post game and just one of the things that has stood out to me from from watching tape is like when refs will allow a certain amount of physicality off of the ball, uh, especially when you're coming off of a screen. There's just a certain degree of hand fighting and and all of that. And so our smaller guards are going to lose that if they try to – like, don't fight a fight that you know you're going to lose. Like, change the fight. And so one of the things that I think both Lonnie and Dennis struggle with a little bit is back-cutting ball denial and just – any type of pressure is that one of the things you'll see, D, is that when they're coming out of the corner spot, usually is where you'll see this happen, and someone presses up on them, they just... Fade further and f- uh, farther and farther back toward toward half court when what you want those types of guys to do is as soon as they they get that arm in the passing lane or they're leaning up on them, that's a swim move and a go to the basket. Right. And and like nine times out of 10, you're not going to even get the ball right there. But what happens when you don't back cut and you just fade all the way out to half court, you pretty much shut that part of the court down for any Productive offense, and so I actually really like how we defended Miami. I thought we did a good job, all in all, especially in the non-TB minutes. It, they, they really hurt us. They couldn't
3: score in the fourth quarter. When yeah, we were, when no, they and were that small, was, and that's part of the JCA point, maybe, Pete, it, to bring
2: it. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the in the second half for sure. Because I think that that like. Long story short, I think we need another look besides the drop coverage center field TB type of look. And that's that's one where we showed just flickers of that. But when you turn the ball over so many times, it's sort of like, you know, watching a football game, and yeah, the other team scored 31 points, but they had a fumble recovery and scoop and score, and then a pick six for another touchdown, and like, the defense actually played pretty well, but your offense is what gave up all of those points, and so that's one of the things I've noticed, D, is that part of the lack of physicality, one of the ways you countered that is like, oh, I'm just gonna cut, I'm gonna cut to the basket and cut through, and that's something that our guards, I don't think, have done a particularly good job of.
1: I agree with that. A part of me wonders if part of that is instincts versus like oh, what yes. the strength like like everything that you mention is because austin back cuts right mm-hmm. but like guys who don't like guys whose instincts tell them oh keep going out because you're supposed to get the ball here just drift a little bit farther out farther out russ does this a lot russ is physical as hell right yep he could back cut a bunch but his instincts tell him to stay high. James Harden does this a lot. Like Luka Doncic does this a lot. Trey Young does this a lot. Like their guys are like, oh, I want the ball back. Give me the ball, right? It's yep. not like cut to create space for for other people. And so it's instincts sure, too, right?
2: It is, but their on-ball skills, Trey Young and Luka and those type of guys justify the, hey, give me the ball at half court because if you do, we're probably going to score when it's guys like Dennis and Lonnie less so.
1: One hundred percent. It's just one of those push and pulls that I think within the player, this is where, Mike, that idea of show me comes into play, play for me, because a lot of times players are what they are and getting them to change some of these small habits, they actually don't happen the way that you would want them to. Right. And so, like, I remember watching Brandon Ingram defend as a young player. And I'm just like, oh, man, look, this dude's got like a 7'4 wingspan. He's got all of these physical tools. Why does he not get any steals or any deflections? And it's because the way that he defended, his hands were always down. His hands were always down. And I was just like, oh, man, someone needs to get in B.I.'s ear. And just tell him, get your hands up, man. Like, you got all this length. You got to use your length. Use, use your length. And counter that to a guy like Max Christie, who we watched defend this this year. Max's arms are always up, Pete. He's always, like, his arms are always active. Now, it's not necessarily leading to a lot of steals and deflections, but he is bothering shots. You could, like, he is leveraging his physical tools the best way that he can by always having his arms up and out and and in guarding position. And that's something he was taught, and those are his habits now. Like, that's Max is going to play defense like that the rest of his life, and it's because he has been taught that way. And so I look at a guy like Lonnie Walker and I look at a guy like Dennis and I'm just like, oh, you guys. And I counter that to a guy like LeBron. So LeBron's had the ball his entire life as, as a player. One of the most underrated parts of LeBron's game is like, he's maybe one of the best cutters the game has ever seen. He is such mm-hmm. an instinctive and great how many times does lebron come on that second wave cut and he's just like oh my god lebron is dunking on someone and it's because he cut right like he he sees it his his man loses vision and he's cutting right behind him mike and he is coming for the ball and it's just like no i'm getting it and other guys need to watch tape on lebron he does it every game
3: yeah so yes and no that the yes obviously yes right but like it's a little bit to me like, why don't more dudes just do Kareem's skyhook? I, I don't get it. It's like when LeBron cuts, the speed and power of his of his body means that like guys can't really just get in the way and disrupt it. Or they're just going to follow him. So if Dennis cuts the basket, you can just, and in, in a defender is on it, he can step in front so... That's that's just one part of it, but your of course your general point is true, Darius. And if like Westbrook to me would be the guy where yep. like if Russ just 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 cut, but he hasn't, you know, it like because he's got the type of size and physicality nope. too. Or I don't know if dudes could get in the way the same way. I, I, I don't know.
2: If I could interject real quick, one of the reasons Russ doesn't cut as much, I I agree it's not instinct, but like the defense guards way off of him. Like the time where cuts become a lot more uh, available is when people are pressing up on you. Golden State being really one of the prime examples of all the cuts they've gotten off of uh, over the years is because it's like, oh, crap, shooter, shooter, shooter. With Russ, you're already sagging off of him into the paint. Uh, And and, and so
1: I, I think that's why we see that less from him. The last point I would make on this, and this is just to tie into Mike's point, is that to me, Mike, that's why LeBron actually, when he cuts, he gets the ball. It's because it is the power and it is the speed and it is the separation that that he gets. The things that, that Pete mentioned about Lonnie and Dennis, they need to cut. Because the defense is playing them a certain way and they need to cut not to necessarily get the ball, but to create other opportunities for, to create open chances for other players just to move the defense around. And when they just, but so when they just like, like sort of string out the play and string out the play, they're not doing anything to help their team. They are just sort of making it so, like, okay, well, watch LeBron dribble. Now, and then he has to create a shot all, all on his own, which is one of the reasons why he is winded at the end of the game because he's the one who has to play with force against a team that is loaded up to stop him and seeing two and three defenders of possession because of all of the congestion that that exists because these guys aren't back cutting
2: and this is also alongside we've been talking about dennis and lonnie uh alongside a pat bev who looked at you cross-eyed when uh you asked him about cutting before the the season mike right and so when you've got multiple guys that it's not their proclivity to cut plus ball pressure that means they Everything gets pushed out closer to half court. You're going to turn the ball over. You're going to have some wild passes out of bounds uh, that need to be more accurate than they are. It all just adds up to that 26 to 6 deficit that we saw yesterday. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about that small ball group that closed the game.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: So, so much of the pod this year, guys, has been us kind of lamenting the Lakers' lack of forwards, and especially in the absence of Anthony Davis. But one of the Quieter, I would say, injuries uh, of this season has been JTA being out for the last ten games. He had already been outside of the rotation. He started the year in it um, as Darvin was figuring out who worked with who, and ended out ended up on the outside looking in. Then has gotten injured. He's had some bad uh, bad luck with um, ankle injuries in particular this year. But a lot of my point, Mike, has been like. We need a forward, like an NBA forward, but a guy who's like in the NBA because he's a forward who can rebound, who can, uh, you know, guard multiple positions. And in, in JTA's post game, he, for for one, he's just great to listen to kind of just go off and and talk on a a number of topics. But one of the things he wanted to show is I can guard a multitude of positions. He played basically a quarter, a little bit over, had seven rebounds, three assists. He was competing with Russ when Russ actually did turn it up on the boards in the fourth quarter, he rebounds in a very similar way to Russ. And so they're kind of competing for the same ones. And that's exactly what you need in a LeBron at the five type of group. And so before the season, I viewed JTA very much as a small ball four type of guy. And this is what that would look like, is LeBron at the five with JTA at the four, maybe Russ Russ in that lineup too. All of a sudden, you're small, but you can still get rebounds. You got some sense of physicality. Mike, I'd love to hear what you saw from JTA's shift yesterday.
3: Yeah, certainly all three of us have been just desperate for a bigger wing. And it's why even in the off season, we, I think we had talked ourselves into, man, maybe JTA could even get that starting spot. If he can, if the shots going down a little bit and he can show the versatility on defense. Cause, and I think that JTA and probably with his agent thought this is a good opportunity to go to the Lakers who don't have many players um, just of my size and and height and size night, same thing, but just kind of build and and there, and therefore, mm. there might be some opportunity there. And then, yeah, Pete, it was a mix of injuries, and then just the the lineups early in the season, and just the way that the Lakers were losing games, things were so disconnected as they tried to figure out what kind of rhythm that they might be that it was it's probably not the best petri dish to view how things might have been working out in. And mm-hmm. and as we're watching these these super small groups go, it made it even more obvious that, all right, if you just take out whether it's shooter of Beverly or none and put in a forward any forward next to that yep. group and, and in fact like Max is still a guard um who I think can essentially play up but he's drafted more as like a, a shooting guard and I think that he'll be able to scale as he's gotten stronger but JT is is a forward that is what he is that is what he does and it just I thought that it made a difference although I'm what I'm trying to figure out is that the energy that he brought and just the kind of being excited to be back in the floor and the and the physicality that was that was able to match what Miami mm-hmm. has that's that's part of his game so that was a good mm-hmm. game for him i think there'll be some other games where you know it might not be the best fit of what his skill set is but that was a good a good sort of tempo and level of physicality for jta to be succeeding in but regardless i think it's it's clear that it's it's worth another look my only thing to add on to that, and maybe this is a point after Darius gives some JTA thoughts, is just that I wouldn't have minded if if Wenyan, who I thought was pretty good, and Pete, you would ask for a second shift of Wenyan in the tech mm-hmm. start, I think at halftime, because mm-hmm. Wenyan, like he's starting to hit corner threes once in a while, you know. And so Wenyan's good. I'm telling you. And yeah. so if he's like, you can still play small with Wenyan and LeBron and JTA. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't have to. A small ball doesn't have to be micro. That's the thing that, I, that I'm right. not quite getting here, where why couldn't Wenyon have gone in with that group? I get it when Thomas Bryant doesn't necessarily fit in the same way um, as Wenyon can in terms of versatility and, and quickness. And But that, that was the one add-on. So, Darius, did you want to get on JTA first, though, before I, I bring in another aspect to this?
1: Yeah, no, I think that JTA was great within – and I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of this was the type of game – for him, so Miami plays a bunch of dudes that are basically JTA size, right? It's just like oh, there's um, there's Max Struess or there's Duncan Robinson or there's Caleb Martin, yeah, or there's Caleb Martin or, or Jimmy Butler, even right? It's just like you look, you you you, you go to JTA's NBA page and he's six six, right? Like what, two hundred and ten pounds? He's he's a forward but he's, he's actually like almost like shooting guard sized in his own way. Right. And so I actually think scaling him up to power forward is tricky in a lot of matchups. And it's one of the reasons why I think the Miami game was like a perfect example of, of a game that he can play in. I think if you try to play him in a small ball lineup, like against the Nuggets, for example, where LeBron has to play center and, LeBron is guarding Jokic, but now it's like, hey, JTA, you got Aaron Gordon. That's tough. And this happened to Wenyan a little bit too, where it's just like, hey, Wenyan, like go play center. You get to go match up with Bam. And it's just like, at some point, you you have to play above your head physically. And JTA and Wenyan, I think, are the perfect example of the type of players that I want more of, because they're the types of players who see, who see, oh, play above my head. I'm with it like there's a competitive sort of like you don't have to ask them to play hard because playing hard is all that they is is exactly why they're in the league. And they have a certain amount of physical tools in order to get that done. This is why it's just like I love the competitiveness that Pat Bev brings, but he's 34 now like yeah 28 29 30 year old Pat Bev he had more juice in those legs in order to like even get after it a little bit more like oh those loose balls that transition defense ever like all of that stuff that you need athleticism for Pat Bev is not as good at that stuff anymore now he will battle you and he will fight and he got that dog in him and so all of these times where he's up in you and really defending and like getting a block shot he had another one of those last game where it's like, oh, look at Pat Bev go like crowd a guy and jump up and use his length and block a shot of a guy who's five inches taller than him. That's great. But the changing end stuff, he can't do that stuff as well anymore. But Wenyon can and JTA can and that physicality, Pete, that's what was needed. Against the Heat, and you asked for a second shift in the second half for Wenyon. We knew he was going to get one shift, and he did. He did not get that second shift, though. That fourth quarter shift, he didn't get it. Right, and that idea of playing small. I want JTA to get more opportunities, just like I want Wenyon to get more opportunities. But if I'm going to be a little bit of a wet blanket here, like they have a cap on the type of player that they are going to be successful against. And Miami, I think, offered them opportunities to show what they could do while also showing what the limitations are of what they can do based off the fact that they are more fringy in terms of like the level that they could get to athletically, right?
2: I totally agree with that point. And that's pretty much true of every vet men guy in the NBA is that there are going to be some teams that are more uh, conducive to their success than others. But in a more global sense, I think that What we're searching for with Anthony Davis out is looks that work, lineups that work. And this is a great uh, petri dish, as you said earlier, Mike, to um, figure out who works around LeBron, who works around Russ and just kind of different combinations without Anthony Davis. Um, And there's a certain degree of urgency to that, too, to get it figured out as soon as possible. And so one of the potential looks within that is a LeBron at the five group, specifically more so to have an all switching group. This is something that's really important, I think, to for people to understand is that we've talked a lot about the Lakers pick and roll defense and kind of funneling into the paint. And then the issues that um, like TB was a minus 22 in yesterday's game. We had another really bad third quarter, which I th- would like to have a conversation with you guys about in the near future, about how why we're getting killed in the third quarter. And one of them is that we run the same defense for pretty much the whole game. And by the third quarter, it's like, okay, we're going to, if we put Hero over here and we run our handoffs with Bam, we're going to get Hero going middle, Bam jumping over the top. And they basically ran the same play over and over again in that third quarter to really get that 20 point lead against Miami. And one of the counters that we can have to that is a different look. And so we've tried zone looks over the course of the season and switched occasionally, but we haven't done a ton of that in large part because we've got so many guards, small guards, particular. Guys like Dennis and, and Lonnie in particular are not switching type of guards, Um, but off of the bench, and this is one of the, the uh, values that a guy like JTA provides, again, in his post game, he's emphasizing, I can guard every position on the floor to some degree. That's what you need to do when you're switching. Russ has that capability. LeBron has that capability. Pat Bev has that to a degree, right? He can always guard up a bit. Max has a little bit of that, although he's young and doesn't have a ton of strength. And so The closer you can get to putting five guys on the floor, Mike, that can credibly to some degree with help and all of that switch everything, you eliminate that initial advantage that they kept kicking our butts with in, in the third quarter where it's like, oh, they get into the paint. and Now they're causing all havoc. You shut that down. And so just having the capacity to do that is important to have multiple looks. And I think JTA helps us do that. If we want to go LeBron at the five groups, we can switch everything.
3: Thinking about the multiple looks I was before we left on this road trip, I was teaching my boys how to play Street Fighter 2, and I was playing with nice. Ken. Um, and one Jet, one of my twins, kept picking Zangief. And I'm like, bro, you can't play Zangief against Ken. All right, I'm you just you can't do it. You can't, he can't get close enough to me because I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna sit back and go, Oh, you can, oh, you can, oh, you can, you, you And he can't block it enough. His power is gonna go down. And every time you try to come close, I'm gonna jump kick you in the head and then sweep your legs. <laughs> and you're not gonna be able to, to suplex me, uh, right? Like you would a different type of character. And, you know, and so. Soon enough, he, he kind of figures it out eventually, and then he picked Chun-Li, um, and he actually was able to beat me one time with Chun-Li. Like, there are certain matchups that yep. on this Laker team that just should not be played together, um, or the result that's going to happen is, is such, but like before JTA was available there weren't there just weren't as many combinations that you could even use for a counter punch. you just had to sort of yes. hope that the other team wasn't going to be locked in and and we're not saying that JTA is, is necessarily even right now at this point of his career a starting caliber player you'd probably rather have him coming off the bench but he at least does provide a different tool that can work against uh, certain groups and and I think mm-hmm. that that'll be something that hopefully we see featured a little bit and and I wouldn't even mind seeing it featured to get back to my earlier point at times with the Wenyan, with the Max, and just go in this bigger direction, period, right? With some yes. of those second groups around LeBron.
1: So first of all, as a Street Fighter legend and people who know me from back in the day, they will vouch, oh, they wow. will vouch for well, my Street we'll Fighter. Come out to, to, to
3: SoCal?
2: Come to SoCal. Yeah,
1: it sounds like a, look. a, a future. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm just telling you. I'll let you choose whoever. You're like, okay, you can have whoever you want and just choose. This is wow. like, I want to play. You want to be Zangief? If I got to be Zangief, I'll be Zangief. If you want me to be Honda, I'll be E-Honda. Oh, look, look. so
2: you're saying you're going to be, you're saying you're going to beat Mike look, with choose, whoever Mike just, chooses.
1: Yeah, just, wow. wow.
3: You yeah, want to just, just sit there and
1: take that Mike? Hey, no, I just Mike, did. I just wow. did.
3: You cho- I'll choose you Zangief and then I'll, and then I'll beat your ass with Ken or Ryu. You could or, or be Ryu. Ken?
1: You could be Ken or Ryu? <laughs> Be any of them.
3: Anyways, that was just a quick aside. You mess with Dalton? All of them. Whoever you want, <laughs> you can get the work. You can get the work. Okay. Well, we'll see, we'll see, bro. <laughs> you can get the
2: work. Anyways. Big words, Street Fighter legend, self-proclaimed. Legend. You're gonna have to back this up at some point. Legend.
1: No joke, hey, hey, right? you have heard me talk look, like this ever, look, look.
2: but this is ever. one of those no, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned, this I'm one stunned. Of those
3: Hey, you're in luck. You're in luck. I will. I have a I have the portable unit that I will bring to the bay. When is the next time the Lakers play the Warriors? Nice. It's a Saturday game. Uh, so you will probably see me. Yeah. You. So you I'll, I'll get it hooked up at the hotel. I'm going to call in advance and make sure they've got the right <laughs> the right setup for it. Otherwise, I'll be taking an Uber out to the spot um, and I can hang out with your daughters. And although I don't want to beat you in front of them. You know, oh, I'm man, not that don't worry.
1: Cool. Mm, don't worry. They'll be so in awe of TV legend Mike Trudell. Anyone they see on TV <laughs> and then now they're actually in front of them, it's just like, you'll be signing autographs, bro. You could sign them <laughs> Northwestern, right? Oh, like man. all of that. We were talking about player combinations though, right? And, and trying to find the right mix. Like I do think that JTA in, I think he can be of great value in these LeBron at the five groups. And I think that, Finding players who fit in the right in those sorts of settings is super important when you lose a guy like, like AD. Because AD and LeBron are the I-can-play-with-anyone guys, but the Lakers don't have a lot of I-can-play-with-anyone guys. Like, Austin Reeves can play mm-hmm. with anyone. Max Christie can play with anyone. To a certain extent, I think Dennis can play in switching groups, Pete, as long as the center isn't like, he can't be the super like high usage. I'm used to this scoring that like, and I Mm -hmm. think that Dennis had a couple of good possessions where he's just like, I'm just going to fight like hell to front. And then LeBron was the guy who was coming over the top to then double. And when LeBron double teams you, he is one of the best double teaming players in the entire league because he understands where the angles are and what the reads are behind. So he is very good at doubling in a way where he takes away that initial read to where the help comes from, because that's where you want to throw the ball is, Oh, the help came from here. I'm going to throw there. But LeBron does a great job of like lurking and making that, pass over the top hard. And then when the pass does, does get there, he swarms. And the only place to throw the ball is right back out to where it was. And then it becomes a scram. And he will then tell Dennis, you get out of here, you go get mine. Right. And I'll stay with this big dude. And so there's a lot of that stuff that needs to happen too. But JTA is like that. And I honestly think like when you have Russ, and JTA and LeBron, you've got the makings of a good switch-everything group, right? Like, I think you can play Wenyon there a little bit. I think that you can play Austin there a little bit. I think you can even play Dennis there a little bit. But it's really going to depend on what the opponent has to offer. And this is yes. where I think Darwin is going to really need to be in the weeds A lot more in terms of the lineup stuff that he's doing in order to try to better forecast what the other team has to offer and then put lineups out there that are going to work against those groups or dictate the terms of engagement a little bit more with what the groups that you have are rather than just like these are the nine guys I'm going to play tonight and that's it, right? Because I just think that they need to be a little bit more like, okay, well, I have I I have twelve guys available in this game. And like I may have to figure out who of those twelve guys are right for this specific matchup rather than being like yes. these are my twelve best guys because without A D, you may need something different on a night versus against a heat team versus what you needed against a magic team.
3: So Pete, before you wrap, Darius, I just when you go to bed tonight, I just want you to think of one sound. Are you can? Are you can? Are oh, you can. That's it. All right, go ahead, Pete.
2: That's the gauntlet has been thrown. Uh we've got a, a future date between Mike and uh and Darius over a bowl of warm soup and uh Street Fighter. <laughs> yes. Are we Street Fighter one or two? Which one uh, which version are we?
3: Two, yeah, two, two, for two, sure. two of course. Two yeah, are you yes, champion sure. edition, right. Mike, or yeah, the yeah, old yeah. school one? See, it's both, well, no, for me, I mean, but whatever. All right, we'll we'll discuss further. We'll discuss further. Sure. The rules In, need sure, to indeed. be agreed about yeah, <laughs> yeah. not, ter- not turbo though. No, not turbo. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously <laughs>
2: We'll be back tomorrow. Preview this weekend's game, including a matchup against Atlanta tomorrow night. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
1: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game and
3: flat. next to winner. It's on the way. Down! Toby Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, standing so around for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance
3: right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding
0: me? Kobe
3: Hard to believe. Are that you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's,
1: There's the goal. move.
0: Two, two, goal. two goal. one. miss it. Unbelievable. One, a, one the it's over. I got popping out of five. Oh, yeah. Bryant. Yeah.